The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org.
everyone. I hope everybody's doing well. Um, I will uh, start my little spiel here. I'd like to welcome everybody to the November 15th, 2022 meeting of the Ann Arbor Parks Advisory Commission. This meeting is being held electronically to protect public health and safety due to the COVID-19 virus and to comply with the orders issued by the governor, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, and or the Washtenaw County Health Department. We intend to conduct this meeting similarly to an in-person meeting. However, please be patient if there are technical issues. Public comment will be by telephone only. To speak during any of the public comment opportunities, please call 877-853-5247 or another of the published numbers and enter meeting ID number 949-7173 0458. This information is also available on the published agenda in the public notices section of the city website and on the broadcast of this meeting on CTN channel 16, AT&T channel 99, and online at www.a2gov.org slash watch CTN and select government channel. And having said all that, I will call us to order. Um, would you please call the roll? I will. Uh, Commissioner Borgsdorf. Uh, present in Ann Arbor. Commissioner Kraut. Commissioner London. I'm here in Ypsilanti today. Commissioner Marson. I'm here in Ann Arbor. Commissioner Montague. I am here in Ypsilanti today. Uh, Commissioner O'Connell. Here in Ann Arbor. Commissioner Ramaswamy, Commissioner Skylas, and Councilmember Briggs. Here in Ann Arbor. You have a quorum. All right, thank you very much. Um, first, we'd like to uh, approve the agenda. Do we have any additions or corrections to the agenda today? Hearing none, we will move on um, to our first public commentary uh, section. We have three minutes allotted per speaker. Do we have any speakers on the phone? Uh, we do. We do. Appears that we have a couple of different people for public commentary. Um, I will start with the person on the phone ending in 849. That's number under 849. Um, the floor is yours. As soon as I allow you to talk. Uh, caller, oh, there we go. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, thanks. Thank you, hi there. Um, and thanks to the PAC for your time and consideration on uh, the West Park After Dark Lighting Improvements Pilot Project. I'm Keenan Gibbons. I live at 303 Maple Bridge Street, directly across 7th Street in sight of West Park. And I'm professionally licensed to assist in the planning, design, and engineering of public space. And I do most of this work for the city of Detroit, downtown Detroit, but over the years, I occasionally have the opportunity to address challenges here locally in my own Ann Arbor backyard. Um, the most recent stem from a private grant to research Heat Island um, using drones on Huron Street. So I'm always looking at ways to make our lives sustainably better today and tomorrow. And uh, West Park, you know, is a vital resource culturally and ecologically in, in our town's fabric. 
And just having lived downtown for about a decade, I've come to learn that after sunset, West Park gets very much at one's own risk. And I'll just put this bluntly. I've seen drug use. I've seen homeless people have sex in the park after sunset. And I'm not the only park user who has seen that. Um, there are things I will never unsee. <laughs> people, people feel comfortable, I think, engaging in these activities because of how dark it is once the sun goes down, at least until one of us stumbles upon them with our bike lights or passing by in close proximity. Over the years, I've also come to learn that many of my female neighbors and friends and family actually go around the park and bypass it after dark because they feel unsafe walking through it alone. So they seek roundabout streetlight routes to get where they're going instead of using the park's existing generous eight-foot-wide paved pathways. And when you think about that, these pathways are directly connected and open to public right-of-way, yet they're currently only inclusive to the general public when the sun is out. So the initiative that I, I think, or I hope you're reviewing today um, is seeking to change that with a uh, low impact off-grid net zero lighting and just one light at first just to pilot test it and see how we all feel about it. Um, the lighting unit generates its own renewable energy and requires no invasive trenching or additional conduit to install. It's full cutoff style to protect the, um, the darkness of our night sky so there's no light. One minute remaining. And it provides real-time energy updates to educate and share the benefits. Um, so our registered neighborhood association proudly and enthusiastically proposes this pilot project to you to make a positive, sustainable difference in our community and in our children's future. Um, please do feel free to contact me about any of this now or at any time. Um, thank you again. Thank you very much. And I know that um, staff was looking at the proposal and was gonna get back to you with comments as well. So I appreciate you calling Great. in. Thank you, bye-bye. Bye. Uh, next caller, I guess, right? Thank you. Next up, we have Patricia Jessup. Hi, Patricia. I'm can you hear us? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. I actually was not planning to speak. I was just listening into the okay. meeting. Sounds great. All right. Well, we hope you enjoy what you hear. Okay. Um, um, do we have other callers? If you, if anyone else is interested in speaking, please um, you raise your hand, and I will bring you in. If you're just looking to listen, then we will move on because we have uh, two other individuals. With that, with no one raising their hand. Um, there will be another time opportunity to speak at the end of the meeting, um, but at this point, there are no other public commentaries. All right, thank you very much. Um, at this point, we'll move on to the approval of our minutes from our October 18th, 2022 meeting. Um, do I have a motion or other comments? A motion by Anne? Yeah, I move to approve the minutes. Thanks, is there a second? Second by Larry. Um, any further discussion? All right. Uh, all in favor, please signify by saying aye or raising your hand. Hey. Aye. All opposed, no? All right. The motion carries. Thank you. Um, moving on to our presentation today, we have a liveries update with Cheryl, Sam, and Joe Anderson, who I see have joined us together. Thanks for making the time for this today, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'll go ahead and share um, my screens for the PowerPoint here. 
Okay, perfect. Hopefully you guys can all see that. So the city of Ann Arbor is the largest uh, livery operation in the state. We are a big, busy operation, uh, open from mid-April to the late of October. And then we have a fleet of 550 boats and over 1,500 customers on uh, summer weekends. So we are very much popping in the summertime when the weather's good. We have two locations, each offering different lengths of river trips and multiple different kinds of boats. Also different uh, river programs. Uh, the Gallup livery offers the longer river trip and Stillwater is more popular at Gallup Park. Argo livery is a shorter river trip location and essentially our oldest location. Um, there's been a livery on Argo Pond since 1898 and the city purchased the Argo livery from a private operator in 1970. So a long history of boat rentals in the Ann Cheryl, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. You're coming in a little bit faint. Um, is there a way to maybe sit close to the microphone? Sure. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'll speak up. Um, the This year, our river trips uh, were 44% of all of our boat rentals. Uh, this percentage we will increase as uh, COVID restrictions are lifted. Uh, we open up river trip numbers and are able to put more people in the vans. Um, the shorter Argo to Gallup river trip by far our most popular river trip. We also offer 1% of our boat rentals. It's a Cheryl, you're, you're, Joe, we can hear great. Okay. Ah, I you just push them out of the way a little bit. Okay. So, yeah, there you go. That's perfect. Okay, great. All right. So um, there's still water paddling in our ponds. It's affordable. It attracts really diverse customers both young and old and folks just who have not paddled before uh, really start with the still water paddling. Well, two rentals and deliveries only are rentals. Josh, can you hear me? Okay. Um, they're only 5% of our rentals. Uh, tubing across the nation is on the rise. Uh, for we figure anybody can go out and rent a boat or rent a, or buy a tube. And just jump in any river. Um, we've made some uh, changes to the Argo to accommodate these larger crowds, including family restrooms and more changes on the outside. So excellent seasonal employees are critical for livery operations. You know, renting boats is really staff intensive uh, for making sure everyone is safe, knows where they're going, where to stop, where to get out. So our staff give up every sunny weekend and holiday to work at the liveries for a demanding and really physical job, but they also have a lot of fun and make friends at the job. We have a lot of programs. They provide an opportunity uh, for everyone to come out and experience the river. Uh, sometimes people are a little more careful or need a little extra help from our staff-led program. So all summer long, it's a blast having the camp for kids at the liveries. We run two summer camps. The kids love the experience, and it's just great to get youth outdoor in the summer months. So managing the liveries, uh, we have a lot of large, or, sorry, yeah, we have a lot of uh, groups that come out pretty much every day. We have large groups. For example, there's a picture here of the Novem hockey team before they went out on their trip. Um, we have lots of school groups in the spring and fall. Um, they do either the river trip if they're 
doing a little more adventuresome or they stay on the still water if they're a little more timid. Um, for example, this fall, there's a picture here of uh, every ninth grader at Pioneer came and did the Argo to Gallup trip for their uh, science class. So with our large number of staff, we need to do a lot of training, supervision. For many of the staff, it is their first, um, first job. We repair boats, we sell our old ones, we replace the boats when needed. The trend lately is replace the boats with single kayaks are, have become more popular. Uh, much needed Argo renovations and improvements were completed this spring with ADA parking, restrooms, pathways, docks, and bioswales to catch the stormwater. Our goal is to provide our customers with the best experience possible. So the livery supervisors are always keeping an eye on everything river related and really managing the issues uh, out on the river with the river users. And public use on many American rivers has grown substantially and demand for outdoor rec recreation and river use is likely to remain high or actually increase. Um, so the risk management is part of the job. Uh, we can help people put in them. Uh, Joe, I'm afraid we're losing you again. I'm sorry. Um, excuse me. Uh, risk, ma risk management is a large part of our job with how many people we're putting out onto the river. Um, for example, early in the spring, we frequently have high and fast water. So we have to restrict who's allowed to go out. And sometimes we have to shut it down completely. Luckily, um, during those times, we're able to rent on the ponds at Argo and Gallup Park, which stay still and calm. Um, we work closely with the police and fire department. Um, the fire department does all of our river rescues. Um, we periodically do have some water quality issues, and we always have to make sure to keep the public informed. Um, we also management, manage the impoundments, uh, harvesting the aquatic plants at uh, Gallup to keep it open. Um, on top of that, um, every one of our boaters does pay a dollar that we put towards the dam maintenance fees right now. So we have an incredibly diverse crowd renting out boats. People of all ages and ethnicities come to the Ann Arbor liveries. Our numbers were down, as you can see, in the COVID years as we limited the operations to decrease uh, our crowds. Plus, we had closures and our season was cut short. Each year, the numbers fluctuate due to weather and if it is nice on those busy summer weekends. As you can see here, that uh, the liveries are financially sustainable and they've been that way for quite a few years. Um, we know our expenses will be higher this fiscal year with the seasonal employee living wage increase that we've done. All right, so this is the last slide. All of these are reasons why paddling a boat on the Huron is so popular in Ann Arbor. It's a classic Michigan thing to do, enriches our community. Um, thank you all for your time. Do you guys, does anyone have any questions? Thanks so much for your time. I, I was uh, looking at the last slide with the increase in the expenses, and you think that is primarily due to the increase in the salaries? Yeah, and you're only seeing part of that because it's the fiscal year leading up to July 1. So it's um, April, May, and June. Yep. Got it. And more staff this year, too, because we opened up our operations more this year uh, due to um, COVID easing up a bit. Got it. Uh, Council Member Briggs. 
Yeah, thanks for the overview and for all the great work. This is definitely one of the, the gems of the park system and um, the kind of overwhelming success of this seems to be the one, the biggest challenge of it for um, the city. And so I'm just curious if you might be able to speak a little bit to um, some thoughts around, you know, obviously with all the people on the river are lovely, but all the people maybe coming to the river um, can be a little challenging at times. Are there any strategies for thinking about how to um, address some of those, some of those externalities? Yeah. Um... More metal, Joe. What the, All right. Trying to be in the more. There you go. Um, one of the things that we started doing again this year um, was offering a ten dollar van ride for people with their own boats and tubes um, to minimize the amount of people that do have to park at both places. Um, making because so many of the new boaters are uh, people with their own, they have to have multiple vehicles. So trying to cut those numbers down in half of people parking is something we're working on right now. Yeah, I mean, and Cheryl, Cheryl and her staff over the last six years have done a, done an excellent job of, of kind of in, in educating um, the public on where to park if you're tubing. There's a, a tubing website that is utilized that speaks about it. We, we regularly utilize Wall Street parking. Um, uh, Wall Street lot from U of M on the weekends during its busiest times to push people there. Um, we have worked with with police and community standards to kind of encourage people to go park in there. Um, you know, and the the challenge is is that as, as Cheryl and her staff can can attest is that you know people are coming down there on a regular basis regardless of it, and so we're trying to educate people to the best of our ability of what the best way to experience that park is. Um, and, and, it, and it is a challenge that we continue to, to work on, you know, and, and outside of just individuals, just trying to find more ways to work with um, the rules and the regulations that, that we have in place. So um, Cheryl and our staff have done an excellent job of kind of reducing down the number of negative behaviors that we see on a regular basis. Um, parking still is one that we kind of want to continue to push people to the lots that we have, um, not in the neighborhood. Um, so. Um, Steve and then Ann. Uh, thank you. And I just, not really a question, just a comment, but just my observations to echo, I think what's already been said, but I've seen my parents still live over there. And so I get over there a fair amount in the summertime and there's a lot of activity, but there's not a lot of sort of intrusive behavior, if you will. It's sort of, even on a busy weekend day, it's like all of a sudden that neighborhood is, it's like parking in Burns Park or something for, for a couple of days. You got to parallel park your way into a little spot. Um, but when people leave in general, I've not seen issues in terms of, of litter, of noise, of, you know, whatever you want to call it, undesirable activities. Um, it's generally been sort of a, a happy, fun crowd that's there to, to enjoy the river. And so other people could have different views on that, but having observed it, over the last several years, I'd say that this last summer, it was busy again, and I really did not see, um, you know, bad behavior or a thing that was really intrusive or burden or what I would feel to be burdensome upon the neighborhood. So, and when I would walk through the, the livery itself, just as an observer walking through, I would see the same things that you just described, you know, a, a young staff, but engaged, energetic, doing the work, keeping the place clean. It looked really good. I really liked the improvements. Um, the, the fishing dock and so forth that it looks really good. And so I thought it was all in all a good summer and I appreciate the report. I 
I love I love Argo Park and Gallup Park. And uh, thanks for all the hard work you guys do there. Um, do do you track at all um, residents versus non-residents coming to the canoe livery? Um, and the only the only reason I ask is just uh, around the parking situation. Like, you know, is there? I I just wonder as this, the city as a whole, are there ways to sort of encourage people to get down to the canoe livery, especially if they're renting um, some way other than driving? No, we haven't formally tracked. We could certainly do that with our rental contracts. People put their address um, down. We certainly are tracking people from Southeast Michigan and you know around those surrounding areas, Ypsilanti, Detroit. Yeah, and it is it is a diverse one, and and I think we've done that at different points over the past few years, in which we've taken a look at it. Um, it it is a very popular one, and when you're on TripAdvisor's number one thing to do outdoors in Ann Arbor, lots of people look at that and, and see it. So, um, but I, I I mean I will echo kind of Steve's and and take a moment to to really applaud Cheryl, um, and the this. The job that she has done since I have been here, um, I think my first public meeting was around the liveries back in, in 20, 20, um, 2016, the beginning of it. And, and, and there were a lot, a lot of challenges and a lot of unique situations that went on there. And, and, and what Cheryl and her staff did, you know, the passion and the desire for customer service and, and interacting with neighbors um, was really a credit to who she is and the, the staff team that she has to really kind of understand that the value that river recreation is for the city of Ann Arbor, but also understand that there's a way to do this well. So, um, I mean, all of the success of what has turned around in the seven years is, is tied very much to Cheryl and her staff. So, um, And I and I will also be remiss to say I would I, I also said told Cheryl this that I'm going to say this part of the reason for having her present today um, is two reasons one Joe Anderson is our new uh, recreation supervisor who will be taking over delivery operations um, completely in January when Cheryl retires. Um, and this is going to be a huge loss for the city of Ann Arbor Parks and Recreation Department. She, she, she has, has, she has been wonderful in her tenure here. She is, she has made river recreation, um, which is popular all over the country, extremely popular and extremely well-maintained here in the city of Ann Arbor. And we would not be able to have the operation that we, we would do without her passion, her energy, um, and her, her desire to see it grow and be what it is today. So um, please help me thank Cheryl, congratulate Cheryl um, for a wonderful career and all the work that she's done for the city of Ann Arbor. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Cheryl. Thank you yeah. so much, Cheryl. It's not on my agenda to let you go. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> can we, can we veto that? <laughs> yeah, Cheryl. I've worked, worked for 28 years at the city, starting at Leslie Science Center and ending up at the liveries. Yeah, Cheryl, you and I go back to those very yeah. early days at the Leslie Science Center. And I just think, I, I know that not only have you been amazing for the parks, but you've been an amazing colleague for all the city's partners. Yeah. So I want to thank you. And definitely your reputation for strong customer service is um, something that you know, I think you is really a model for others. And I will certainly be suggesting that Milton Dahoney does not um, completely let you go without trying to tap into that knowledge source. <laughs>
for all that we do. Thank you. It's been a privilege working for Parks and Recreation, really, and with the support of city administration and our community we, and all of you. It's a great park system that we have here in the city with a river running through the middle of it. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, it's, we've done so much to improve the river experience and and we made the river accessible with our facilities, our equipment, the river itself by taking the portage out at the Cascades. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. You can tell we've uh, succeeded and reached our goals by just witnessing the diverse crowd that are coming out and having a blast, right? Uh, having fun on the river on a summer weekend. I couldn't imagine a better place to work, really. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. And, and, for sure. and yeah, and, and while Cheryl got all the applause, I do want Joe to kind of announce himself and tell a little bit about himself because we're not coming into a truly green experience with somebody who's just has a few year, few weeks of experience. So Joe, if you could take a moment to introduce yourself to PAC, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've actually worked for in the park department for 18, 19 years. A little bit, a little bit to your right. Um, I've worked in the Parks Department for between 18 and 19 years, actually, uh, mostly as a seasonal employee at the canoe liveries. Um, I spent some time in the Park Maintenance Department and then uh, have the opportunity to come back here and uh, work kind of where my heart is at. So I'm really looking forward to picking up where Cheryl has uh, has left left it. Well, we're thrilled to have you in this role. Thanks so much, Joe. Thank you. Um, anything further for Cheryl and Joe today? Apart from our immense gratitude. All right. Well, thank you very, very much uh, for joining us today. And uh, I think with that, we'll we'll move on. We'll see you again soon. Um, I think uh, next on our agenda, we've got some reports. Uh, first from Josh. Uh, yeah, I will keep it short. I know we've got a couple of things to talk about later, but um, I wanted to let everyone know that the lighting at the skate park um, was installed and operational now. Um, we we're kind of working on the, the timing up with it, but um, this past week and the lights were up and, and it looks great. So I'm excited that it's just in time for the dark weather that is coming across. Um, so to be able to use out there, um, typically uh, the lights will be, will be programmed to shut off roughly about 10 o'clock when it's a, a tr traditional park closing time, but um, we'll be working with staff to get those, those times start and finish times correct. Um, Speaking of the West Park Lighting, yes, uh, staff will be reviewing it um, and providing feedback to PAC with our recommendation on what we need to do moving forward. Um, so it's a, it's great to have that opportunity, um, but we'll be kind of following up on that. Um, tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. is the Lockett Playground Improvement Meeting. Um, this, this meeting is focusing on um, some playground improvements, um, as well as some conversations about next steps potentially for any further um, improvements at the park there, but primary focus is on uh, the playground that Adam will be leading. Um, Adam will send out kind of a note to pack for anyone who would like to join. Um, pros plan update. Actually, we're gonna go to the bridge inspections because pros plan is more exciting. Um, over the last few months, we have been doing some bridge inspections um, at the various bridges across um, the, our park system. Um, this is something that we have we have not necessarily done consistently over the last number of years dec or decades. 
Um, and not surprising when we look underneath bridges a little bit more closely, there's some work that needs to be done. Uh, we recently found three bridges, um, two at the Leslie Golf, Leslie Golf Course, Leslie Park Golf Course, um, and one at Sylvan Park that will need to be, um, that are closed down then while we get the repairs done. So um, we're looking at a plan for that. Um, again, this is why we're doing the inspections so we know what's going on and we can prepare for them moving forward, but I'm not surprised to see um, some issues with them, uh, but staff are working hard to come up with a plan to get them open back as soon as possible. Um, and then the pros plan. Um, so we've been working through getting a draft ready. Uh, that draft was um, council approved the distribution of that count of that draft plan last Thursday night. Um, there is a 42-day public comment period um, in which we are encouraging all comments to be sent to uh, Hillary Hansel or Adam Furco as they as people review them. Uh, please take a take a moment to look through. As I've said at different points, Hillary, Adam, and I um, are going through this for our first time. Um, and so we've got some great successes and some great improvements that we need to leave, move on, but um, it's an opportunity to do that. Um, because of the unique time period and a lot of the transition that has gone on, one of the things that I will be reaching out to PAC about is that we are likely going to need to have a special meeting the first week, the first 10 days of January to get that approved by, by PAC uh, before it goes to council um, on January 16th. So I will be reaching out to set up a time when we can get quorum to get that final draft um, looked at and reviewed and approved by PAC. Um, so we can meet the deadline of submittal, which is February 1st of 2023. Um, so a lot of moving target dates. Um, apologize for the special meeting, but um, some things just ended up happening that way. So. Um, and with that, that's all that I have at the moment. Sounds good. Um, so we'll look out for that communication. So we get we get to get together twice in January. Um, and uh, and so we'll we'll take that as it comes. Um, but thanks for the update. Uh, questions for Josh. Uh, Anne. Just a clarification. So pros plan comments should be emailed directly to. Hillary and Adam, there isn't like a special address or anything like that. Nope, there is not. Um, it is it's the best way to get to it. That is a good good thing for us to remember for next time. Um, but I had a quick one on the bridges. Yep. Um, you identified a couple of bridges that are closed right now. Uh, any waiting in the wings that uh, were also flagged or identified for closure? Um, none that I'm in and Hillary can jump in because she's read the report much more detailed than I have. Um, I, I looked at the worst cases. Uh, I, I think that she can speak to them at that point. Yeah. So we've been, um, over the last few years, slowly kind of getting an inventory of our existing bridge conditions. So, um, right now those two were flagged kind of immediately, but there was also, um, maybe some future repairs at one of the Island park bridges. There's a steel truss bridge out there that kind of connects Island park to fuller. Um, that one looks like it'll have some repairs. I know that Scheffler park bridge, um, was also one that was identified. Um, so we'll see, we're kind of trying to wrangle, uh, you know, kind of an assessment of all of them and then kind of look at where their priorities lie. Um, so I would anticipate some bridge repairs, kind of over the next year or two. 
um, to okay. be determined which ones those are. And the, and the focus is obviously on the ones that are, are worse to begin with. And if we can get by having this report will allow us to hopefully make some repairs in the short term that will prevent a longer term um, issue. Sounds good. Uh, Ruth. Um, I'm not I'm not opposed to meeting twice in January, but I just want to pose the question. Should we meet twice in January or maybe if we're moving the date, we can do everything in that meeting? I will, I will look at, I, what I will, I will take a look at it and I will, what I will promise you is that, that we'll do our best not to have three meetings in five weeks. Can I promise that yeah. one? So maybe not December 20th, maybe we push December to January and then do January and January. So um, I, I will put out, a, I will put out a poll for it um, and I appreciate that comment. So. Other questions for Josh? All right, um, moving on. Uh, Larry, do we have a RAC report today? Yeah, I have uh, a few quick things. Um, at our last meeting in October, we moved uh, three candidates forward who would like to join RAC. Uh, they have to go through various paths of approval. We have one is a student who has been approved by the Board of Education, and the other two have to be approved by the City Council. But we hope that we'll have three new members by December 13. Uh, we currently have the Fall Enrichment Fitness Classes and Sports Leagues wrapping up, and registration for winter and spring is actually getting started now. We'll continue for a while. Uh, we have the before and after school programs, which are all continuing. Uh, the Ann Arbor Civic Chorus, which is a rec and ed program, is having a fall and winter concert. In, I think it's December 11, early December anyway. And the Pistons have discounted tickets for a game in January that are available through rec and ed that will benefit uh, the rec and ed programs as well. That's the uh, update from RAC. Excellent, thank you. Any questions for Larry? All right, um, so uh, reports from commissions. Um, I'll try to go around the horn here if I can. Um, Anne, anything from the uh, environmental, uh, the environmental committee? Yeah, we the environmental commission met um, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, a few weeks ago now. Um, it was a pretty typical meeting. Reports on you know, solid waste, circular economy, overview of the, made a report out from the water department. Um, so nothing that's ter terribly relevant per se um, to parks and recreation. The one thing that did come up was uh, we did um, approve a resolution to be sent over to city council on um, doing a better job of tracking city goals um, and uh, making information about progress towards goals available publicly. Um, and so, um, and that would have, that would apply to all city departments. So um, that, that'll be taken up by city council. So it's not a guaranteed thing, but just something to keep in mind. You know, if um, I think uh, that the way the resolution is worded, uh, um, that uh, the departments would work with the relevant commissions to try to come up with what the, our appropriate key performance indicators towards goals. So something for all of us unpacked to think about like what we would wanna 
C um, for Parks Department. And that's it. Great. Um, anything from the bike committee today? Uh, and I can speak on that. We are we we're working on that final draft of the report, um, and I anticipate at one of the meetings in the next um, six weeks that we will have something to report for for PAC to formalize a report, uh, look at and offer a recommendation to uh, move forward. So, sounds good. Thank you. Um, Steve, anything from center of the city today? Uh, yeah, just a couple of updates. Um, at the last uh, center of the city uh, council of the commons meeting, um, we had a presentation from, from parks. So Jessica Black came and explained uh, all of the activation activities that, that have been taking place uh, at Liberty Plaza. And if you haven't been down there, you should definitely check it out. I mean, it's small changes, but they're somehow dramatic in terms of the usability of the space, the overall beauty of the space and so forth. And so uh, that was great to have that, that dialogue. I guess the other bit of news from the Council of the Commons is that we've sort of reshuffled our internal um, organization. So instead of four or five different subcommittees doing things, we've, we've got two. We've essentially got uh, now and later if if i could simplify it that way there's sort of the the activation committee that is looking at ways to utilize the space in the coming days weeks uh, months and maybe year um, and then more of the long-term planning committee which is looking around sort of the the rfp or sort of a more complete use of the of the space and in the future and what that looks like and getting realistic budget figures and things like that i should Probably pass it over to Council Member Briggs if she's got anything to say. I know that the City Council passed a resolution at the last meeting approving some um, some further, I think, budget outlays for some activities at specifically at the at Library Lane around some uh, food trucks or other sort of commercial um, opportunities being pursued down there. So yeah, yeah thanks. Um, yeah, on the now side of things, um, one of the things that uh, we've at the council level, um, which was a recommendation from Council of Commons last year, was to explore activating the top of the library lane parking lot temporarily with food trucks or other sort of temporary pop-ups. And so um, staff will be looking at that and um, coming back with a recommendation around sort of what that would, what the cost would be, you know, operational model, different things like that. Obviously, we've we've all seen sort of food truck courts in, in different spots and um, something that could easily activate that space for a while. And um, since um, we heard that wonderful presentation about how uh, Liberty Plaza is already getting activated, I think um, a lot of the now um, pieces in some ways are, are already being explored. Um, just anecdotally, I took a walk with a friend the other day and she was commenting about those lights in, in Liberty Plaza and saying how much they transformed the space. So it's getting noticed. Awesome. Um, I will just be, I will, Jump in on that. Um, Jessica Black did a great job in that presentation. I probably look to have her coming in the next couple months to pack as well to kind of update it as well. Um, and and one of the things that she's that we're very excited about is on um, Friday, December second, um, Liberty Plaza will be hosting a Liberty Market, which 
those of you who remember Kindle Fest from a few years ago, the artisan side of the sales will be held at Liberty Plaza, while a bunch of other things will be done down by the farmer's market. So please, um, if you come out for Midnight Madness and all the activities on the second, um, please stop by Liberty Plaza to see the work that, that Jessica and her team and the parks teams have done because um, it's it's been great. So. Awesome. Thank you. Um, any questions for Steve or Councilmember Briggs or Josh? Any of the above or Anne? All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, moving on to new business. We have a number of different things today. The first being um, a resolution for um, recommendation for the SPARC grant, which I think Hillary is going to talk to us about. Yep. Hi, everyone. Um, let's see. I think I'm sharing my wrong screen here. Let's see. Hopefully this will work. All right. Are you guys seeing my screen now? Yes. Okay, great. Um, yeah. So today we wanted to talk about the SPARC grants um, that are being administered by the Department of Natural Resources. Um, this is really exciting. So there's $65 million that has been designated towards improvements at parks. Um, you know, the goal of the program is to focus on local um, communities, so local level of government versus um, state or federal level. And, you know, park systems that want to create or renovate or redevelop public recreation. Um, the grant amounts range from a minimum of $100,000 to a maximum of $1 million. Um, just for comparison's sake, the typical DNR grants that we go for, um, called the trust fund grants, though that amount only typically goes up to 300,000. So this is really unlocking um, really a big dollar amount of funding for, for parks that's not typically available. So um, these grants will be available um, kind of this next coming year in 2023. So there'll be three rounds. Um, the first round's applications are due in December, and um, those decisions will be made in January, and then there'll be two um, additional rounds in the spring and the summer. Um, so we're really excited about this. I mean, the other great thing about these grants is that um, they are prioritizing um, applications that address existing park infrastructure. And as we know, we have lots of old park um, infrastructure in need of improvements, and that's typically a tough thing to find grants for. Um, so we're really excited about this. Uh, so today we wanted to talk about um, our idea for kind of the first round of grants, um, which is looking at improvements to the Beer Park Ice Arena. Um, so just an overview for maybe anyone listening, you know, this is one of two ice arenas in the city of Ann Arbor, the other one being at Veterans Memorial Park. And so this is the outdoor covered rink um, that's basically open on, on three of the four sides. And so it's open seasonally from November to through February, kind of weather permitting. Um, and so this is really kind of more of a neighborhood scale ice arena. You know, it offers public ice skating, um, drop-in hockey, rental hours, whereas Veterans Memorial Park tends to have, um, you know, more leagues and high school uh, level play. And so this one really functions more of that kind of like neighborhood gathering space. Um, it's also located in the southwest part of the city, which has higher racial diversity. Um, and it provides outdoor recreation, you know, at a lower cost. Um, you know, we know Michigan has a really long uh, winter season, so it's kind of a unique um, provider of recreation. And we have seen increased usage since the beginning of the pandemic um, at this facility. So 
So the big kind of looming cost that we know has been coming here at Parks is the refrigeration system. This is not, you know, typically a very exciting thing to talk about. Um, but the original floor and refrigeration plant were constructed, constructed in 1991. It's what's called an R22 system. So R22 is a refrigerant that's basically being phased out of use. Um, it's been found to be a major contributor of greenhouse gas emissions and ozone depletion. So basically the EPA has stopped um, US production of it and import. So our two existing ice arenas that use this have to basically look within the secondary market in the US. And so we have to kind of borrow um, you know, R22 from other places that are kind of transitioning out of it or that have um, you know, extra to, to give us. And so, you know, because it's a closed amount now, um, you know, as it's depleted, the costs are just only going to increase. And we know it's not an energy efficient thing and that we have to look for kind of the next, um, you know, the next step of how we're going to transition away from this. So both ice arenas will eventually need to transition to a new refrigerant system. Um, oops. So, so what we're looking at for this grant you know, we would basically um, put an application together for the full $1 million, you know, knowing that that'll give us the capital to make this big investment. It's something a lot of ice arenas are struggling with because, you know, the capital costs to move away from um, the R22 systems are very expensive. So we know that'll help us, you know, from our energy consumption or operating costs. But we also want to look at, you know, how can we also look at accessibility, making this place um you know, that it's easier for more people to enjoy, you know, how can we improve operations as well? So kind of the preliminary, um, really high level conceptual estimates we have is somewhere in the range of like 1.6 to $2.3 million. Um, this really depends on kind of what, what alternative refrigerant we end up going with, because there's a few different options as well as we kind of, you know, need to dig in a little bit more for the accessibility improvements um, and what those costs might be. So we're thinking, you know, if we apply for the grant um, this December, you know, if we were chosen um, in January, it'd probably take us, you know, about a year to kind of get all of our designs um, put together. We could probably bid at like the end of 2023 and maybe start construction in the spring of 24. And so any additional funding that would be required beyond the SPARC grant, we know this would go beyond a million dollars, that would be drawn from a combination of park fund balance um, or the approved um, FY23 millage. So, so this is something we're still looking to kind of refine the details, but this is, um, you know, kind of the concept, at least what we'd be applying for right now. And then, you know, some of the reasons why, you know, this project out of all the ones was um, a priority for this first round of grants, you know, it's basically due, you know, it's, its role as this community gathering space, this neighborhood level facility, um, its location, you know, providing recreation to diverse and, you know, traditionally underserved populations within our city. And also just that we know that this is a big ticket item that, that will be coming due soon. So kind of knowing that we have this necessity to transition, um, you know, is something we'd love to, to take care of with this funding source if possible. And also we know from kind of our, our pros plan surveys that there's strong community support for accessibility improvements. 
you know, we're, we're undergoing the ADA transition plan currently and committed to improving accessibility. So it's an opportunity to kind of tie those accessibility improvements and the refrigeration upgrade together in one project. Um, so we will be looking at additional projects that we would kind of develop um, proposals for, for the um, upcoming SPARC grant funding rounds, as well as potential other grants kind of this spring and summer. So this is kind of the first one that we, we had waiting in the wings a little bit. You know, we had kind of a, a known um, need here. So, so with that, um, I don't know if anyone has any questions. Thanks so much, Hillary. Uh, yeah. Any questions about this grant proposal? I'm excited. Oh, Pravina, go ahead. Yeah. Um, thanks, Hillary. So when you uh, when the city is going to apply for this grant, are you like you said, the this system that needs to be replaced isn't uh, like it's a capital thing, but it doesn't have like a strong story. And unless you say where this is going to help the environment, we have to do this. I I'm just trying to say, is there is there um, an approach of how you going to, how are you going to sell this? So if we are selected, you know, this is also something I'm sure Spark wants to say we did X, Y, Z, help the environment, accessibility, and provide, you know, cover, you know, whatever these three pieces are. I'm I'm just trying to think of like how can we, how can you um pitch this in a way that comes across as something that aligns with you know what the, the community is looking for. And I just I'm just trying to figure out how, how to say this rather than just saying new yeah. refrigeration system. I know. Yeah. I, and that's one of the reasons we were looking to kind of expand the scope to accessibility, you know, knowing that that's something a little more tangible and exciting than, um, you know, just the refrigeration system. We know that that, you know, kind of, you know, more mechanical infrastructure isn't as exciting typically for a ribbon cutting. Um, you know, I think there's also a story how we can tie it into sustainability, um, you know, moving away from this really carbon intensive system to something that's um, more energy efficient. So that's something we'll just have to dive into a little bit deeper, um, maybe with our partners in OSI to kind of understand what the kind of carbon savings will be as well. Um, but it's a great point. I think, um, you know, we'll be looking to kind of craft a great story. The city does now have a grant writer. Um, that's available to us. So um, we're hoping that they can help us with that as well. But it's a good point um, yeah. to, to think through that a little bit more. Yeah. And one of the other things that that was brought up uh, through the conversations with Spark was identifying uh, facilities and, 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 and features that were greatly increased um, during COVID um, and the unique nature of what the Bureau Ice Arena is being a, an open air uh, covered rink is is one that's unique within Southeast Michigan um, and gives us an opportunity to to sell that as well and, and the use of people feeling a little bit more comfortable outdoors in that space. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, we will continue to try to sell that story um, as we as we move through it, because it is very important to to have those those points. Um, but we also the, the the Spark Grant has been been was announced roughly in January or February of this year that this was going to be coming. And every every month it was going to be next month, next month, next month, and then uh, middle of October, it, you know, it opened up and gave a, about a six week window to get the the application in and around. So um, I applaud Hillary and her team and Adam 
Hilary um, and Adam on, on coming up with the idea, getting the work done from, from Stantec to get the, the cost analysis so that we can move forward with this application. Great point. Uh, Steve? Um, just a, I guess, a clarification question. Is it a million dollars for the environmental upgrade to the refrigerant and then 1.6 to 2.3 on top of that for other improvements or is it 1.6 to 2.3 total? Total. Inclusive. So 1.6 okay. to 2.3 is total inclusive of the, of the refrigeration system transition, which is the largest okay. portion of that budget. Um, okay, got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes. They're expensive systems. So the hope would be we update it now and then it'll be another you know, 60, 70 years until anyone has to do anything about it or longer. Um, Pravina. Sorry. Um, I was just going to say, you know, if this opportunity came again next year, would there be an interest in um, looking at the farmer's market proposal that was done many years ago with the covering the farmer's market? Is that something that's still an interest in the community? Um, so, I mean, we've had a number of different conversations and, and I will say that as, as Hillary mentioned, we have the spark has three, three, three rounds of grants totaling 65 million um, as, as we will find out with the ADA study and we will have conversations. There's a number of, of pro projects that we have that will that would hit over that one million dollar project in the next in the coming years. Um, we we, are, we have a bucket of projects. Um, you know, we started down a path with with the farmers market pre-COVID, um, looking at a different like there was the there was the, the structure and then there were some opportunities with some with some sightings that we looked at that was going to be started right before COVID. Um, we are looking to go back to the farmer's market, um, to, to PMAC and to that group again here here shortly to kind of see what their, their updated needs are, because as we've evolved that potential project from the initial structure building to other opportunities, there's, there's some varying degrees of permits and and rules and ordinances that we have to follow that would make things a little bit different. So um, we do plan to go back to them and, and identify what projects may make sense. So, Other questions or a motion on the resolution? So I was trying to unmute. I, I would move for support of the resolution. Thanks, Steve. Motion by Steve. I would second that. Second by Anne. Any further discussion on this resolution? All right. Um, all in favor, please signify by saying aye or raising your hand. Aye. All in all opposed, say nay. All right, the motion carries. Aye. Thanks, everybody. Well, thank you for that. And we are looking to get this on to the December fifth council agenda to get it um, applied for by the um, mid-December deadline. So it'll be coming up to council here shortly. So Great. Thank you. Um, and with that, we'll move on to the next resolution, which is to accept the um, revamped park naming and renaming process that we discussed at our prior meetings. Um, I want to thank the folks who have been involved in this uh, process, which I know was long and careful um, in developing this new procedure. Um, Josh, you want to give us a short update on this uh, piece that we've discussed a couple of times, but yep. this would be our formal approval of that. 
Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the comments and the the, the questions and the, the feedback from last time. And, and you know, this is a process that we feel that can can be a betterment and, and provide a guiding principles for um, park renaming um, and naming in general as we get new new acquisitions or new things um, for how we do things moving forward. Uh, Ruth and Rachel, Galen and, and Brittany were all instrumental in kind of putting this plan together. Um, and just after the last meeting, it was it was determined by the group that. We wanted to have something that gave this a little bit more um, formality, made it a little bit more, um, you know, more than just the five of us saying this is how we should do it. We thought that if Pat could come across and, and, and offer their their recommendation and their approval of this being the process that we do moving forward, um, it would give us some weight for it as we move forward. So um, just wanted to bring it back, um, you know, to this group. Um, it is the same same format, same kind of wording as before. Um, so it's our hope that we can get PAC to um, approve it and we can begin instituting it um, as we move forward. So great. Thank you for that. Um, any questions or a motion to approve the resolution? I would move to approve the resolution. I'll second it. Wonderful. Motion by Anne, second by Ruth. Any further discussion on it? All right. Um, all in favor, please say aye or raise your hand. Aye. Aye. All opposed, no. All right. The motion carries. Thanks, everybody. And again, thanks for your time in developing this process. Thank you much. Yeah, thank you. Um, we have uh, one final piece of new business here, which is an update on the, uh, I'm sorry, resolution on the Bandemir Tunnel um, Memorandum of Understanding, an MOU. Uh, so Hillary, you're up again. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, so let me share my screen one more time here. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to provide an update on this project, and we can talk about the MOU as well, because I know it's it's been a long time that it's been in um, in the works. So, so this is the tunnel that's proposed beneath the railroad tracks, beneath Bandemere Park and Barton Nature Area. Um, and so this project, it's a partnership between the City of Ann Arbor Parks, as well as Washtenaw County Parks and Recreation, and then also the Huron-Waterloo Pathways Initiative, which is a um, not-for-profit group um, who's interested in developing the border-to-border -border trail. And so this project is the um, pedestrian tunnel. So that's proposed in this area. Um, you see Bandemere Park on the um, east, and then um, Barton Nature on the west, as well as Huron River Drive. Um, you know. We know that there's currently no safe and legal crossing here and many people choose um, to cross. So this would provide um, a much desired connection. Uh, the project also includes the pathway shown in yellow here, which is um, a paved section of the border to border trail through Barton Nature Area, um, roughly following the existing alignment um, of the main trail there. And this would eventually connect up to Huron River Drive and the Border to Border Trail as it connects um, up to Dexter. So this is a critical gap um, for the Border to Border Trail and kind of connecting um, the existing trail network in the city out to the west where there's been a lot of development recently. Um, and so, you know, in thinking about comparisons, this is very similar to the Allen Creek berm opening shown here. 
Um, you know, this is a really big piece of infrastructure. It requires, um, you know, a temporary uh, closure of the railroad, which is a big thing to orchestrate. Um, I believe they did it in about 36 hours. We'd be probably somewhere between 24 to 36 hours. Um, we actually shut down the railroad and you have a precast concrete culvert that's dropped into place and you have to do this all um, and hope the weather works out. <laughs> uh, so it's it takes a lot of planning and there's a lot of time invested in getting the necessary um, approvals from the railroad and kind of, you know, making sure you can orchestrate this all. So um, just wanted to kind of provide an update on our project progress to date. You might remember that um, back in early 21, we had a feasibility study that we did to kind of look at, you know, where would this um, trail uh, and tunnel occur? You know, what would be the ideal location and type um, giving gave us some preliminary cost estimates. And so once we had that information, um, you know, all the partners agreed to move forward to the next phase, which is um, design engineering, which is currently underway. So this really began in the summer. Uh, we have the same um, engineering design team as they did for the Allen Creek berm opening. So they just did this elsewhere. They're really um, well qualified to help us with this spot. And we can um, build on a lot of lessons learned through that project. So, you know, this started in the summer, between the summer and fall, there's been a lot of um, geotechnical work. So soil borings to kind of understand what the conditions are out there. Um, preliminary coordination with Amtrak and the MDOT Office of Rail for kind of these necessary steps we need, um, you know, even just getting, it took us months to get a permission to enter where we could actually go in and do a soil boring within their right-of-way property. Um, so everything takes a little bit longer when they have to sign off, but we, we've we started to develop some preliminary alignments. Um, we had a 30% 30, 30 complete plan set that we reviewed. Um, we're starting kind of preliminary coordination with EGLE. So, so things are kind of basically getting going. Um, it's still going to be a while till we get to construction. Um, so, sorry, uh, kind of the next steps, you know, looking forward, we're kind of doing further design development, especially in areas of complexity, areas where there's lots of transitions. Um, this project was also identified as one that could be um, supporting public art. So we're going to be meeting with the Public Art Commission in early December to initiate that process, look for opportunities to either integrate public art or make sure that we um, you know, provide the necessary space for art. We're also kind of beginning to work through aesthetic considerations. There's a lot you can do both with the exterior facade and wing walls of the tunnel, as well as the interior and maybe integrating um, public art there. Um, we anticipate once we get a little further along, probably having a community information meeting sometime in early 23, um, as well as maybe 50% complete design plans um, around then. Um, you know, this there'll still be a long road to kind of getting the necessary design and construction agreements in place with Amtrak. Uh, we're targeting uh, basically construction documents being complete at like the end of 2023. So we still have a year of engineering and approvals ahead of us, um, kind of anticipating to bid the project in early 24, um, you know, maybe a notice to proceed starting construction that summer. Um, this is all contingent on the railroad um, giving us approvals and, you know, there could be bumps in the road that that adjust that as um, we work through it. So, um, yeah, and so this memorandum of understanding is just a step in the road for kind of, you know, these um, funding partners. Um, 
know, basically it's a formal agreement um, between the city and county and how we're going to collaborate on this project. And it just kind of lays out the general terms. So anticipated stages, the project's going to move through, um, you know, relative roles and um, opportunities for us to check in, make sure things are still moving along, um, you know, responsibilities that each of us expect to undertake as far as who will hold the construction contract, who will manage that. Um, and, you know, currently funding is anticipated to be split in thirds between the city, county, and um, our nonprofit partner, HWPI. Um, and HWPI is really working with the county. So that's why this MOU is really city and county, because um, the county has that HWPI relationship. So um, that's kind of where the project has been. Um, and this is the, the MOU before you, and I'd be happy to answer um, any questions, although it was largely drafted by attorneys. Um, so not sure I can advise on the legal aspects of it. Go ahead, Ruth. So this is not a comment about the um, MOU, but more about the arts. Just um, in uh, on the Chelsea path that the Huron Waterloo Pathways Initiative has done off to the side, not actually at the, they, there is some art on the tunnel, but um, off to the side, there's also a, a nice like historical sculpture about like, I think it's um, indigenous women. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, just to say, I think if you're talking to the Arts Commission, you could look at areas just outside of that because it's actually what, the reason I noticed it, was that a family was riding their bikes and they had stopped to give their little kid a breather. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, great point. You can look at that. Uh, Council Member Briggs. Thanks. Um, great to hear the update. I know this MOU has been a long time in coming, and so I'm very excited to see that we are finally here um, and to see what the, the next phases bring us. Um, certainly, this is an incredibly important project, not for only for us locally, um, the city, but regionally as well and statewide in terms of the, the way that it connects. So I, I think it is a really good candidate for lots of different types of funding. So I'm glad that agreement is, is in place now. Thanks. Uh, Larry. Yeah, I, uh, I'm curious about um, the path that goes back through Barton Park. Mm -hmm. it's, it runs in parallel to the existing path or it replaces the existing path? So it replaces the existing path um, for the most part. There is an area where we'd be looking to add like um, a natural surface parallel path to provide that option for people who choose um, to not walk or, or be on a paved pathway. But the main portion of the Border Border Trail roughly follows the existing pathway that connects the two bridges. Um, so I'd be happy to hear, I can share my screen again and yeah. go back to... Um, Let's see. So um, this um, map here, um, I guess we don't have it shown, but with the grades, there's kind of a high ridge that this path is located on um, in yeah. this eastern segment. Yeah. And so as soon as we get off that ridge kind of around this point, um, we'll be looking to add a secondary natural surface trail that will kind of go 
um, you know, a little bit off of this one to kind of provide a parallel walking experience. You know, if you're familiar with this area, you know, there's lots of natural surface trails within this kind of peninsula. Yeah. Um, but yes, so there will be, um, you know, the paved pathway will follow that existing route. Yeah, no, I, I know in the initial part, it is very narrow when you're on mm -hmm. that ridge. Yeah. But but after that, I would hope we could preserve a lot of those natural paths. Uh, they get a lot of usage from people out there hiking. Um, where So when it crosses then the bridge uh, near the dam, right mm -hmm. there, where does it then go? Yeah. So again, it kind of follows the existing um, path slash, you know, it's kind of like a park service road through here. Um, kind of up to the parking lot and that's where okay. we'll be stopping um right now but it'll in in the future connect to the border to border trail that'll be off um just off here on river drive okay. and eventually connecting all the way to dexter and beyond um i know right now the border to border trail just made it up to i think about zeeb on here on river right. drive and there's another right. segment kind of connecting from there to the delhi metro park plan right. for the next year so it'll still be a while until we get both ends to connect, um, but it'll also provide this great connection to Huron River Drive as well. You know, I, yeah. I anticipate a lot of users will, um, you know, maybe not choose to go through the nature area. Maybe a lot of people will just go right onto Huron River Drive. You know, they're right. really, um, you know, more athlete type cyclists versus the recreational ones. Yeah, is the existing bridge uh, near the dam going to stay, or I guess both of the bridges? I mean, that's a wooden surface in there. Yeah, neither of the bridges are going to change um, as far as part of this project. Um, this one kind of in the southeast is a little narrow. It, it doesn't really yeah. meet what we would call our, our traditional trail standards. But, um, you know, we're not um, going to be enlarging that one at this time. Thank you. So. And, you know, just so you know, the um, paved pathway will be about a 10 foot wide trail. And then we'll always have like a two foot clear zone on either side of that. Um, these are trail standards that we follow. And so, you know, if someone's choosing to walk or run on a natural surface just off of that, that'll still be available as well. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. Those those hmm. natural surface trails out there are used a lot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there there are just a warren of trails that kind of go off of the main one as well that hopefully will still be available for use. Yes, yeah, we won't be affecting any of the other natural surface trails. They'll all still be there. I wish they were showed up on this map, but <laughs> next time. Uh, Steve. Oh, sorry, Larry. No, it's just saying thank you. Um, this is great. Thank you. I look forward to voting in favor of this in just a couple of minutes. But before we do, I just I didn't want to let it go unsaid. Like I think Councilmember Briggs perhaps did already say this. This is a huge opportunity um, to remove a barrier that is blocking the success of this overall trail system. Um, and so I think we should relish the opportunity to to get this barrier out of the way um, and hopefully do so in a, in a unanimous way. I don't know if anyone has any lingering doubts or reservations, but I think it would send the right signal both to the city, also to the county, to the nonprofit partners that we are and we remain enthousi enthusiastically behind this project. So like I say, I'm 
very much looking forward to to moving in favor of this, although I'll hold my gunpowder dry and just make sure there's no other questions or anything before I suggest we move in favor of the, uh, the motion. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Um, any other comments before we let Steve enthusiastically move the, uh, the resolution forward? All right, well, I, Steve, I guess I'll get you, you know, on the heels so of your comment. <laughs> so moved, yeah. <laughs> I enthusiastically second that along with my cat. Second by an enthusiastic and um, any further discussion on this resolution or on the motion? All right, um, all in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed, nay or no. Hearing none, uh, the resolution passes. Thank you all very much. We're really excited about this one. Yay. Thank you. Thanks for your enthusiasm. We appreciate it. <laughs> right, thanks, everybody. Steve, 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 we've been working on this for a long time, right? I think since, <laughs> I think we yeah. the, year yeah. the years that we've been on, <laughs> on this commission. It's exciting exactly to right. see it coming to some fruition. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, turning from that to our second public comment period, um, each speaker is allotted three minutes. Do we have any callers on the line? Uh, we have a couple people that were that have attended. I'm going to ask if either of them would like to speak to raise their hand. Give it just a second. Um, and it does not appear. Um, so at this point, we have no public comments. All right, thank you. Um, having come to the end of our second public comment period, uh, communications are in your packet. And I believe with that, we will stand adjourned for this evening. Um, thanks very much. And uh, Josh, we'll look for communications from you as to our next couple of meetings. Yep, I will get that out in the coming days. All right. I appreciate everybody's time today. Take care. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you.